What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is Alex B. Alexander the Curious George on his podcast. I got a special guest today, very special guest. My friend, my advisor, um, Mr. Adam Ducek. How you doing, Adam? Doing great. Doing, doing awesome. I'm glad to have you here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on the, on the show today. Well... You know, I just I definitely wanted to get you here. This is very special because you're, you know, specialized in the language of money. So, and not just you, but also, you know, our um, other friend, big time friend, Brian, who trained you and who I have up the utmost respects for. So what, why did you want to hop on the podcast personally? Honestly, just wanted to connect with you. I know that you're headed down to LA here in a in a couple weeks and I uh, just wanted to connect with you and just really kind of get my name out there. I'm, I'm looking to, you know, the interesting thing about money is that we all make it, we all have it, but sometimes we don't know how to make every dollar work for us. And so I just wanted to connect with you and, and just really help people understand that there are options out there. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you're struggling or if you feel like, gosh, you know, there's too much month left at the end of the money. Right, that's most people that live paycheck to paycheck. How do I get my dollars working for me? How do I make that? If you look at your actual, like a dollar bill, right? How much of that dollar bill am I actually going to save and, and and put towards my future? Uh, so I just wanted to catch up with you and and uh, connect with the audience. Yes. Well, this is well, this is good. I think this is going to be very beneficial for the new um, age listeners because, like we were just talking about prior to me starting this thing, is that I had. I just put you on, referred you to a couple of friends, right? Yes. People in my inner circle in, in life that they don't have a retirement account set up. That's right. Or even a life policy at a young age, right? Right. Where, where it's very cheap. Um, very for, affordable. Very affordable. And how are you, the question is, how are you protected if you just are gone, right? Out of society. Right. If, I'm, if I can't work anymore, let's just say I'm like disabled or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what am I going to do mm-hmm. as a grown young man? If I'm 18 to 25, I'm 27 now. So what can I do to make sure that, you know, I'm protected? Like, and then I come to you. How would you answer that? So what we would do is we would, we would sit down and, and what we do is kind of just find out what your goals are in life, what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, when you're in your early 20s, you know, you're, you, we aren't really thinking about money at this time in, in our lives. We're taught to accumulate debt. We're taught to go to college. We're taught to get a house. We're taught to get married. We're taught to accumulate a lot of debt. But if you were to become disabled, that's a really good question. That's why saving our money, saving, you know, if you want to be middle class, you should save 10% of your income, right? If you want to be rich, save 15%. But if you want to be wealthy, you need to save about 20% of your income or more and what that'll do is that'll put enough money on the sidelines and into accounts that can start growing. So if you were to get disabled or you were to not work, like if like if the average American doesn't work for a month, they're screwed financially for the next year, two years trying to catch up because of bills, car payments, mortgages. But if you have an account, like a flex account, that can grow and have your money in there, what it does is it gives you an option. So if you do become disabled or you do... Uh, get laid off or maybe you get let go from your company you have this emergency fund that can you have an emergency fund that can supplement your lifestyle yeah temporarily 
while you're getting another job or while you're getting into a position where you can, you know, start contributing money back to that. You know, a common thing we saw during the pandemic is, is, you know, there's a lot of people that died and it didn't matter if they were 18 years old or 80 years old. There was a lot of people, there was a lot of athletes. I was just reading an article yesterday mm-hmm. that from 2021 to 2022, there was 769 athletes that died in that, those 12 months that just sudden death, they died, right? Well, if you're an athlete and you're making an income at a higher level than most people, right? Yeah. Let's say you're making a million, two million a year or hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. If you're not saving a part of your income, right? Yeah. And you pass away, you leave behind a wife and children. What are they going to do to be able to maintain that lifestyle? If you don't have a life insurance policy in place, how, uh, and you don't have any money saved, they're pretty much screwed financially. So what we do is we would, we would just kind of, we would sit down and, and, and see different avenues and really just teach you how money works. Mm-hmm. And how exactly, okay. How exactly does money work then? Like, what do you, if you could touch up on that. So how money works is it's really an interesting, it's a simple concept. We should have learned it in high school or college, but when you get your paycheck, you remember when you were 16 years old? Like uh, when did you first start working, Alex? 13. 13? Mm-hmm. When you started working at the restaurant? Yeah. Now when your dad, did he pay you at that time? Yeah, I got paid. You got paid, right? right? Was there a instruction manual on what to do with your paycheck after you got it? No. No, we, you just made money and you would spend it on things like clothes or shoes or food, right? Same, I was 13 years old, man. Come on. Video games, right? Same. Things like that. Yeah. Well, we carry those same habits into high school, college, and then into adulthood. Yeah. So what we do is we would, uh, first of all, we would look, we would do a, like a step-by-step analysis basically or a, put, a, put a strategy in place. Yeah. So we would put a portion of the money towards uh Uh, life insurance to rent wealth while you're trying to accumulate wealth, which would be putting money. The accumulation of wealth happens in retirement accounts, whether it's IRAs, whether it's in uh, flex accounts, but the accumulation of wealth happens in there. Mm -hmm. So as that accumulation process is happening, your need for life insurance goes down until one day you're financially independent and you don't need a life insurance policy because you have enough money saved. Right. But you don't have to depend on anybody for that income. Mm-hmm. Isn't it so interesting? Like, when I talk about this kind of protection thing with, uh, with other youthful people of my gen or so, um, and they have the means, but it's like they'll ri- <laughs> they're buying shoes each, each month, but they won't invest in their own life. Right. <laughs> isn't that funny? Jordans. Yeah, or just like though exactly. It just priorities. It's so interesting, isn't it? It is. It's so like it's oh it's really interesting that they'll choose to just buy those pair of shoes every mm-hmm. month, one pair of shoes every month, instead of investing in their life mm-hmm. and protect their friends and or their family, right? Right. It's like and I, I I still catch up with them till this day. I'm like, hey, did you get that life insurance yet? Like are you are you insured? Or like, are you protecting your family? Do you have that retirement set up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you know, I'm really working on it. No, 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 no. Maybe next coming, month. They're coming up with excuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not doing it now. It's, right. Isn't it? It's just so funny to me to see where... Now, why do you think that is? Why is... Why... What's your take on it? It's final, financial illiteracy. Mm. Our parents didn't know about it. Yeah. And their parents didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. And their parents didn't know about it. And we're not taught this in school... Uh, I, I, 
funny that you bring that up. I have a client. He's 13 years old. Yeah. Uh, my youngest client that that saves money, mm-hmm. and he said, and I showed him how the rule of 72 works, compound interest rule, and I was showing him how it worked, and based on his age, he's gonna have million, like tens of millions of dollars saved if he starts saving just 100 bucks a month right now. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, hey, I'm gonna challenge you to. Make some money this month, make at least $300 so we can have at least $100 to invest. So his dad calls me the other day and he says, Hey, he's ready. He did it. He went and mowed enough lawns to make 300 bucks. He spent now, he spent $200 on some shoes. <laughs> yeah. But he put $100 in a Roth IRA. Uh huh. He's 13. Yeah. Where is he going to be? Most, of, most people don't start thinking about retirement until they're 50. Damn, yeah, yeah. They've thought about it in their 40s. Yeah. But they don't start till they're 50 and they're like, man, ooh, I got to save some money. Yeah. And then they're like, man, I could do 50 bucks a month. Uh-huh. I mean, the reality is, let's I mean, be honest. 50. $50 <laughs> at 50 years old is $600 a year. Like, that isn't, like, what are you going to do with 50 bucks? Like, compound interest is great. Yeah. But you've got to compound something. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? This is it's it's I know it like I can laugh, I can laugh because it it is funny, man. Like I mean, um, I because you gotta the smart decision would be to invest early mm-hmm. and see it compound, right? And invest consistently. Yeah. And if your money, if you make more money, invest more. You know, like that's right. What are you gonna do on it? Sit on it, right? In the savings account and just let it. Like, just not do anything? You know what your average uh, savings account interest is? Tell them. Tell the people. 0.01%. 0.01%. Tell them about the 401k. You know, 401ks historically average 8%, 5 to 8% historically. historically. Yeah. 401ks aren't necessarily a place, it's a place to make, to save your money, but it's not necessarily a place to make wealth. Yes. It's just really yes. there for employers to be able to have a tax write-off for you working for them. Uh-huh. They give you a little bit of money. They get to write that off. You put money in there. Great. Mm-hmm. Right? But when you get your money into like IRAs, Roth IRAs, regular IRAs, that's where you can actually get access to to more investment uh, products or options to get you more in that 9 to 12% range. Yeah. You know, historically, the S&P 500 averaged 10.3% for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. The S&P 500, which is the standard and poor's 500, the top 500 companies in America, it's, it's not really a, it's an index, but you can't really invest in there unless it's through a company that mirrors the index. But it gives you an idea that there's, you know, that that some mutual funds or some uh, investments try to mirror the index. Some, but obviously the goal would be to do better than the index if <clears throat> you want to have more than what the index would provide. Mm-hmm. But it's being in the right place. Mm-hmm. It's like, if a 1% difference made millions of dollars of difference in your lifetime, wouldn't you want to know about it? Absolutely. But what if it was a what if it was a 5% or 8% difference? Sign me up. Or 10%. Sign me up, Sonny. I'm there. I'm there, Chief. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a lot percent difference. And not a lot of people understand unless you show them the number. A lot of people need to see the number change. That's right. Yeah. So that's so when you kind of talk about it, they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, I got the 401k. But are you really going to rely on the government's corporate America's 401k? Yeah. Like to obtain retirement wealth? 
No, like really? They'd be like relying on social security to retire. Oh, social security please. was developed in the thirties. Yeah. As a poverty check to help people during that time in the thirties, forties and fifties, sixties, seventies, they would get this poverty check essentially from the government that everybody put money into to make sure those people didn't stay in poverty or that they had enough money just to survive. And that's how most people base their retirement is, Hey, I'm going to get social security. Mm-hmm. And then the corporations created pensions and pensions were a thing of yes. big corporations in the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. And in the 80s, the government came out with the 401k, basically a do it yourself investment because they knew pensions were bankrupting companies. So they kind of were getting rid of pensions and that's where 401ks came from. Employer sponsored plans are called. Mm. Then in the 90s, mid 90s, and there's a guy that actually works in our office who went to attorney. He was coming to become an attorney in yeah. the 90s. And he actually went to school with the gentleman that developed the Roth IRA over in the East Coast, Pennsylvania, Delaware, somewhere in that area. And the Roth IRA is the only place where you can get tax-free growth uh, as long as you leave it in there until 59 and a half years old. So every dollar you put in, if you put in $300,000 and let's say uh, hypothetically it grew to millions of dollars, all that growth would be tax-free. Right when you pull it out. Right? When you pull it out. At, yeah. At a certain age, at retirement age. 59 and a half over. Correct. Yeah. So what that does, is it just gives you more options. However, what most people do is, is because they're so willing to not invest their money, they want to buy some shoes. Yeah. Or a nice fancy car, right? Or a new car. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Trying to keep up with the Joneses or impress people they don't know. Right? <laughs> yes. Because people do that, yeah. then they're then they're like, well, geez, I can only put away a hundred bucks a month, which is only three dollars a day, which is like two energy drinks. Not even you can't even get two energy drinks for three bucks today. That's right. like a coffee. Yeah. Today, so when you actually put interest or compound interest to work for you, it's like the eighth wonder of the world. It actually helps your assets grow, and that's why that's how you build wealth is through putting your money to work for you. So. That's what we see, and that's what it's very common. And it, I've been in the financial industry for twelve years now. Yeah. When I got started in two thousand ten, <clears throat> people were making the same financial decisions that they are today. It's not like things changed. <clears throat> Even though we went through, just got out of the two thousand eight mortgage banking financial crisis, and now we just went through a pandemic, right? And and we're going through, uh, you know, what we're going through right now with the market. People still make the same decisions. It's not like people that don't study history are doomed to repeat repeat history. Yeah. And we oh, yeah. see that right now. I want you to hop, up, hop back on this uh, 401k thing. Because you've dealt with a lot of 401k um, situations. So I, I believe that let, they also match you, right? They do. They match you. To a certain percent. To a certain percent. Can you can you enlighten me on the rest of the, what happens? So with a 401k, there's, there's uh, with most 401ks, how it works, depends how the plan is wrote or set up. Yeah. With with a 401k, usually you put, the corporation will usually put in a 3% match and you can put a 3% match in. Basically, you get 100% up to the 3%. So corporations do a 6% match. Some of them do a 6% contribution as the employer and the employee puts in 
maybe 50, or if you put in a 6%, the corporation will put in 50, up to 50% of the 6%. So they'll put in 3%, you put in 6%. So there's a lot of different options on how 401ks are built. Mm. But it would make a lot of sense for you to familiarize yourself, call into the company. When you call directly to the company, they're on a recorded line. So they are going to tell you how it works exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but you can call into the company uh, and you just ask questions. You can just inquire about how it actually works. It would be like buying a new car. For example, I drive a Tesla. So yeah. I want to know everything about what the car does so I can understand how all the features work. And that's what you want. To, if you're if you're going to be putting your money into something, you want to understand how the features work so you can have uh, a better idea on, on how to make your money work for you. Mm-hmm. you know, some 401ks have a what's called a... Uh, Roth 401k, which is pre-tax or post-tax dollars. So mm. traditional 401ks are pre-tax money. Meaning? Meaning that every dollar you put in, when you take it out, you'll exactly. pay taxes on that. Right. You haven't paid any taxes on that. Traditional. Any, on traditional 401ks yeah. or just regular 401ks. Yeah. On what's called a Roth 401k, when you put money in there, you have paid taxes on that. Mm-hmm. So when you pull the money out, you don't pay any taxes on the growth on that as long as you don't pull the money out until you're 59 and a half years old what's the benefit of having a traditional versus the Roth the traditional 401k will help you save money on your taxes so if you make say 150,000 a year but you max out a 401k at 20,500 you can write off 20,500 on your taxes so you would only essentially pay taxes on 130,000 instead of 150,000 because it lowers your tax liability that's what that's the benefits of uh, traditional correct Okay. Okay. So for people who make a higher X amount of money mm-hmm. would be more beneficial to get a traditional. Correct. Gotcha. Whereas like middle class, working, lower, whatever would be more beneficial to have, have a Roth IRA. Right. Well, for along what? the lines of if you make over $144,000 a year right now as, the, as this is recorded, okay. this year, if you make more than that, you can't put any money in a Roth IRA, but you can put it in a Roth 401k. But if your company doesn't offer the Roth 401k, you are limited to the traditional 401k. Mm-hmm. Okay, So if you make less than that amount, you can put money into a Roth IRA mm-hmm. and your 401k, which could be Roth or traditional. Just You should really ha- have an advisor help you with that. Yeah. Or have somebody um, that has the financial licenses to be able to explain that or have a CPA explain that to you. So it can make most sense financially okay. on what's good for your taxes. Because the reality is we have the same uncle, Uncle Sam. Facts. Yes. <laughs> right? So we all have the same uncle. So having a, having a licensed professional CPA uh, or tax accountant tell you how that works can help you mitigate your taxes and, and be able to put more money to work for you that way as well. Mm-hmm. Now, what company do you work for? I work with uh, Primerica yes. Financial Services. And what's the mission? The mission is to, uh, you know, really freedom lives here. Our, our mission is to help more families become financially independent, mm-hmm. more than really any other company out there. And I think we have a proven track record to do that. The company has been around for 45 years, started in, uh, in Duluth, Georgia, and now they operate across the United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico, so we're an international company. Yeah, 1977. Since 1977, Art Williams, A.L. Williams Williams started the company, was a high school football coach, came here with no financial skills, doesn't have a financial degree, 
doesn't have a college education in finance. It's not like you have to have those things. We we take financial concepts and break them down so they're very easy mm-hmm. to understand so that, you know, because most people don't need to be talked over. Right. They just need to have it in layman's terms or simple terms. Keep like, it simple, yeah. When I came here, I have a I have a medical, I have a uh, bachelor's of arts in health sciences from Boise State University. Yeah, and I and I uh, actually have a certificate to work in the operating room, uh, but that's not my career, right? In two thousand ten, I left the industry to come work in the financial industry with Primerica. Yeah, because they gave me an opportunity to own my own business and to be able to build a business inside of a comp- corporation. So. A lot of the, it's like, it's an umbrella. A lot of things that when you're building your own business, like, you know, your dad's in the restaurant industry, a lot of things that he deals with, with, I don't deal with because we have a, uh, a corporation, a home, a home office that takes care of all those extra things for building a business. We don't have, we don't have to worry about that stuff so much. We can just focus on what we're good at, which is educating people, people on how money works. Absolutely. Now, now, if I'm correct, um, Art founded this because his parents got gypped on a whole life policy, correct? correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you uh, explain it? Because I'm sure you've dived into the story much more deeper than I ever have. Because you've been to the conventions, all this good stuff. Mm-hmm. Please tell uh, the people who don't know this story. So, Art Williams' parents, his dad had a... a his dad had purchased a cash value life insurance policy, whole life policy in the 1950s. Yeah. And $15,000 policy. And his dad passed away from a heart attack and or some sort of heart failure. And in the 50s, his mom was left with a $15,000 life insurance policy, which in the 50s would be quite a bit of money. Yeah. Okay? Think about the 50s. A few years later, as Art got a little older, his uh, cousin, I believe it was his cousin, was in... Uh, the financial industry doing insurance. He was doing term insurance with uh, another corporation and he educated him on how term insurance works. Mm-hmm. And his dad could have had $150,000 in life insurance for the exact same amount of money he was paying for the $15,000 of term insurance versus mm-hmm. a whole life policy. Yeah. And $150,000 in the 50s would be millions of dollars today. Wild, man. Perspectively. Yeah. And so he once he taught him that concept and he understood that art actually uh, from what I understand he researched and understood and he might have wrote his thesis on how uh, your life insurance policies rob you and he he got in the financial industry for about 10 years now he did it part-time outside of his coaching career he was a football coach and he got licensed and he started learning how the industry works and everybody owned a cash value policy. Actually, everybody owned multiple policies because they were taught that it was an investment vehicle, how to save money for your retirement. So people, he'd go into houses and people would own eight, nine, ten different policies that they'd be paying for. And, and anyway, he would go in there and he would educate them on how the term insurance works and buy, uh, invest in term and then buy uh, invest the difference, right? So buy term and invest the difference. Mm-hmm. He would come in and he would really just educate him on, on that concept. And uh, he did that for about 10 years. And he had developed what his concept, part of his concept wasn't just being a salesman, but part mm-hmm. of it was, you know, most people think about the 50s, 60s, late yeah. 60s, early 70s. 
in America, you're middle class, but everybody kind of has today, we call them side hustles. Back then we called them part-time jobs, mm -hmm. but everybody had an extra something that they were doing as a side hustle. Okay. And it's, you think about like teachers, police officers, firefighters, these people need to make a little extra money to, to have, to be able to go on that family vacation or be able to have Christmas. And so because of how Art built the business, he built it on a part-time opportunity, not a full-time. You don't come here to be a financial guru, essentially, and own your own brokerage. You would start part-time in addition to your job. So that way, there wasn't a lot of stress on a person to be able to get into a whole different career change. And mm -hmm. in 1977, him, along with 85 other uh, coaches and teachers and police officers and basketball coaches and a lot of different people, 85 people started A.L. Williams. And from 1977 to 1984, they grew the company from 85 people to 225,000 licensed people through warm market, through friends and family members. And that's how the business grew. And we actually became the largest financial company in North America. The largest. Huh? Yes. And we beat companies like, uh, we sold more term insurance than uh, or more insurance than Prudential and, and uh, New York Life. And that's mm. how, and they didn't know we were competing with them, okay. but we knew we were competing with them until yeah. we got to a point where we beat them, right? We held our national convention and it talked about how we're putting, really we're replacing these whole life policies and putting more term policies and investing the difference in place, right? Right. And then where the company's grown to today, so. So, well, obviously, you know you're on, um, let's say, let's stir the pot a little bit. Um, I am from, let's say, I don't know, let's say I'm a, I'm a life insurance agent from New York Life or Mass Mutual or Northwestern Mutual or whatever. And I sell whole life insurance policies mm -hmm. and universal life policies. How, how, let's, and let's say I've sold them to, you know, hundreds of people. Mm hmm what do you, what would you have the, how would you challenge my perspective? You know, I mean, obviously we know what these policies offer. Mm -hmm. You do for sure. Right. And I also, I've also got into it as well. So how would we talk about this? So, what's the, what's the issue here? So the best way yes. to, to challenge yes. is let's sit down, have a cup of coffee and let's go over how a policy works. Let's 100%. Just, let's just read what's in the contract. Yeah. Alex, do you remember when I sat down with your dad? I do. With his universal life policy? Yeah, man. And we started explaining line mom. by line and your mom. Yes. And we explained line by line how the policy worked. Yeah. Did your dad, it, you, at that point, it didn't matter who wrote the policy. What mattered is that your dad was screwed financially. Yeah. And he couldn't afford it during a time like COVID. No. And yet when he wanted to take a loan out of there, there were stipulations to be able to get the money. Yes. Basically, he had to cancel his policy. Correct. Now, yeah. now, if you can show me how that's a good opportunity for somebody, I'm open. But from what I understand or from what I've seen, we need to sit down and go through a policy and, and, and we'll explain line by line. You explain to me how it's good and I'll explain to you how it works. And we let the client decide. But, you know, 100% of the time, unless the client is uninsurable, buy term and invest the difference makes sense a hundred percent of the time now how many policies have you switched probably lots 
Hundreds. Hundreds. I've been, I've been doing this for 12 years. So. Right. So it's so obvious. And then these people don't know that they they're don't getting know. screwed. Right. Now, there are insurance agents that don't know how the policies work. That's very common. They come in. They see the commissions. They get a license. They sell a handful of policies. They leave the industry. When the client gets ready to collect on the death benefit, that agent's no longer in the industry. They call the company. And the company tells them the truth because the company isn't the agent, right? The company's yeah. on the recorded line, so they have to tell them exactly how it works on the recorded line. It's not exactly what the agent told them. You know, me and, I, me and Brian actually called the, um, the company and, mm-hmm. and asked about uh, the policy and how it works and the loan of the cash value. The fact that it's a loan uh-huh. is beyond me. Mm-hmm. Loan your own money? Yes, in this cash value because it hasn't quote unquote matured yet or whatever, right? Right. Whereas they tell you it's a savings account, mm-hmm. but it's a loan though. It does a in the policy it says it's loan, right? So it's saying that you have to pay it back. Well, it says the cash value in the fine print. It says the cash value. It defines there's definitions, and if you look at cash value, it'll say the cash value is loan value. So yeah. the loan value is the cash value. So it's kind of a play on words. Okay. I just sat down with a lady, uh, one of my agents. I did it over Zoom. She met with them in person. She has a life insurance policy with us term. She has an investment with us. She meets a friend of hers and she says, hey, I'm working with a life insurance company and they they have me set up in an investment. It's called an index universal life insurance policy or you've probably heard of infinite banking. Okay, so index universal life. Mm-hmm. She said, oh, you need to look at this. So we get a notification in our office that said, our policy was being replaced. So we call the client or call our agent and she calls the client. And anyway, she goes over and explains to her how her index universal life was, life insurance policy is working. Mm-hmm. And in her policy, Alex, yeah. she was putting 134. Now they told her this was an investment. Of course they did. When you look at the policy, the very front page of the policy, it says the premium module was going to be $134 a month for the life insurance. $400 a month was going to go into the investment, quote unquote, the cash value. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So our agent opens up the policy and she's explaining to it there was no cash value for the first six years. So where's that money going? Where do you think it would go? In the pocket of the agent, right? In the commissions of the agent. Commissions of the agent. Come on. So... Come on, man. $400 a month times 12 months is $4,800 times six years is $28,800. That would be straight cold hard cash if that's what was going in. But what it was probably buying is insurance. And the commissions on that, and I, I don't know, I don't have their chart, but the commissions on $400 a month going in plus the life insurance kind of gives you perspective. If you're putting $400 into an account, and after a year, so you put $4,800 in the account, and after a year, there's zero money in there. What's the rate of return on that? Nothing. What? You would think it was zero, right? But it's actually negative 100%, because if you put $4,800 in an account that was zero, you'd still have $4,800 in there. But when there's nothing in there that's a negative 100% return, you don't have anything in the cash value. That's hor- it's, this is horrendous. But she was told on the appointment, she was told by the agent that she was investing in a life insurance company, not in the market. That's why infinite banking or index universal life was safer than investing in, in mutual funds because she was told she was investing in a life insurance company. But if let me ask you a question. If you put $28,000 into a product 
for six years and you opened it up and after six years, maybe you called the company and they told you that it was, wasn't worth anything. How would that make you feel? Would you ever buy I'm out 28 grand. 28 grand. Come on, man. I'm livid. You can't make up six years of that time. I am hot. Hot. And that's what's happening to people all over the United States right now. Yes, this is real life, guys. This is real life. This is actually happening to, okay, to families because it happened to my, my family. We, my dad and my mom tried to pull money out, you know, and there was this nasty fee. And they were paying like five hundred dollars a yeah. month for each policy. What were they paying thirteen hundred dollars a month for insurance? For, for yeah, yeah. All I think I'm all together. All it was, four. Well, yeah, I think all four. All four. Thirteen hundred dollars a month. A month. Man. That's a mortgage payment. A month, man. A month for their for their coverage, and um, it, it, they did accumulate some cash value, but it's very small. It wasn't very it was, small. It was very small. And Remember, even, in order to get it, they had to surrender their policy in order to get it. Yeah, so they didn't even get that full amount. Mm-hmm. They didn't even get that full amount, man. Yep. Because of the freaking fee. The, the fees. fees. Oh, God. That's why you should have a licensed professional, someone that's actually in the financial industry, to explain to you how this works. If you own one of these, it would make a lot of sense to, for you to, if you're going to buy into something, it's like, the main question is, why did you buy it? Was it for the protection? Or was it for the savings? Yeah. Or was it for both? Should be for both. I mean, like you do want to be protected. You do want to save. That's why, obviously, you know the call, the whole concept of buy term and then invest the difference is so simple yet mm-hmm. so like powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you see the change, you see that's it. Right. Yeah, if you see the change. Numbers wise, I'm telling you, that's why people just need to see it. They just need mm-hmm. to see that change. Um, it's exponentially different. It is. <laughs> it's so it's so wild to me. It's wild, man. I can't. I can't help. But it because it, it it bugs me. I remember how upset I was for your own family, my own family, and. As much as you want to help people, man, you know, like it's just people are really getting screwed and they don't even know it. That's our crusade. Our company wasn't built on sales. It wasn't built on uh, marketing. It was built on a crusade. The way you feel about helping somebody, that's the way our business was built. And that's why I believe a lot of people come to our business and they stick around long term. Granted, we're in the financial industry. You're going to make money here. However, the crusade is what keeps you moving forward. I sat with a client yesterday. He had a hundred and he has three hundred thousand dollars sitting at the bank right now, making zero percent interest. It's been in there for a while. And we educated him. We showed him a couple different opportunities to be able to invest that somewhere else and be able to, you know, take advantage of dividends, take advantage of growing that money. We have clients all the time that come into our office and they and they and they're all different ages, uh whether they're young or they're older, the problem is, is as you go through life, if you don't have somebody that you work with directly and build a relationship with, it's, it's, it's similar to in the 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s, 70s, 60s, 80s, 90s. In those decades, we had a general doctor that we would see and we built a relationship with them and we would go see them yearly to make sure that we were healthy, right? And things were getting checked out. But as technology has grown, we now have urgent care clinics. And when people... People either don't go to the doctor or they go to the doctor when they're just really sick. Now we got a problem, 
right? But if you do maintenance all along the way, it helps you grow that relationship with your doctor. Well, same thing with your financial person. If As you build a relationship with them long-term, they can understand your goals and what your goals are for certain chunks of money. Mm-hmm. Some chunks of money might be for putting a down payment on a home. Mm-hmm. Right, We're seeing that right now as, as interest rates rise, having more money to be able to put that down payment on a home. Yeah. Right. Some money might be for retirement. Some money might be for kids' college education or, or education or starting a business. Some money might be money that you gift. So there's a lot of different – you might receive an inheritance. You know, I have a client that's recently received about a, a little over a million-dollar inheritance. Mm-hmm. Right now, his inheritance is sitting in in, uh, in accounts that have, that have very little performance. And he'd have that chunk of money – you know, for the rest of his life. But if we put that money to work for him in the market, he'll have millions of dollars, you know, as the market returns and, and grows historically like it always has, he'll have way more money in the future than he had prior because, you know, because he has, an, he has somebody that he's working with that can give him that, those options. You know, obviously, there's no future guarantee on past performance. However, if you look historically, right, you're betting that the economy is going to grow. Mm-hmm. And that there's going to be more people on the earth in the future than there was in the past. That more people are going to buy things than they were buying previously. Now let's play a little bit of a devil's advocate. So let's say that 300 grand that was sitting in the bank account you were talking about is just there, okay? And um, now we're obviously in a down market. Correct. Okay. We're in a fluctuating market. Yeah. We're in, so fluctuating market. So let's say that 300 is in the fluctuated market. Let's say it's in a whatever kind of fund, a mutual mm-hmm. fund. And that 300 grand is now lower because of the mm-hmm. market, right? So right. What's, what's it going to take for that m- money to grow back and then grow more? Is it just, just going to be time? Is it going to be like it's a waiting game? Like what, what are we thinking here? What's the best? It's time. Yeah. It's a waiting game as the economy grows. Right now we're going through hyperinflation. Inflation is about 8.6% right now, yeah. uh, which is about double, almost triple what it has averaged over the last 40 years. Really, in the 1970s, inflation was 7.3%. In the 80s, it was about 5.3%. In the 90s, it was about 2%. And then there were some years in there that was at 1.5%. So it's averaged about 3%, but during hyperinflation. Now, if the market is down, that's the best time to be buying. If your if your portfolio is down, the best thing for you to not do is pull money out of the market. Yeah. Use your job to fund your current resources, live lean and mean, invest. So when the market returns, you get the that growth opportunity. Mm-hmm. If it is down, you could be in a dividend, a dividend portfolio that's paying you dividends. Even though the market's down, you're still getting dividends from companies. You know, there's different mutual funds out there that have paid dividends for over 70 years. So you're still getting payments on your portfolio, even if it's down. It just depends on your investment tolerance, your profile, and how your advisor or your uh, financial professional helps set you up. So, but it is down. So that's why we have multiple accounts. You'll have like an emergency fund, which is where you would have cash, money that you would need if you had an emergency. Then you have your flex accounts, you have your short-term mid-range accounts, and those accounts are for bigger purchases long-term. And then you have your wealth-building accounts, which is your retirement accounts, your 401ks, your IRAs, annuities, things like that. Mm-hmm. 
So to get back to the 300,000, most people don't have a $300,000 emergency. Yeah. However, that's why we would have money sitting in cash. So that if there was an emergency, we have that money. Mm. Liquid. So we can let the money that's in the flex account do what it needs to do to be able to get back to that point. Or maybe we put off a purchase. Or maybe we put off a trip for a little bit of time until mm -hmm. that recovers. And that's, that's completely normal. In what any way, shape, or fashion... Now, this is off to a different subject now. In what any, um, any way, shape, or form is, uh, is a whole life or universal... Um, policy beneficial in any sense do you think or do you not think it's any like beneficial at all i don't think it's beneficial at all i agree i agree yeah me and brian said that too like i don't there's no belief in i've been in the industry for over a decade and i've never seen one that works out ever yeah it's, it's yeah man never never seen it so why <laughs> now obviously it exists it exists why? For over 100 years. Why? Why does it exist? Yeah. Well, it's a great way for financial companies to make a lot of money. Boom! We want to keep you broke. You know, you can't... You don't get wealthy by saving your money in the bank. You ever meet somebody with a savings account? All the time. Do they have a lot of money in there usually? Yeah. It's because it doesn't really make any interest. It doesn't really Neither. make any growth. Now, there was times in history when savings accounts did make interest. Like in the 70s... Uh, my grandfather had a savings account that was making 17, 18%. Wow, that's pretty good. Today they make 0 0.01. Banks okay. don't make money on, on talking you into saving your money there. They make money by putting you into mortgages, credit cards, car loans, any way they can put you into some sort of personal loans, debt, some sort of debt, and that's how they make money, or <laughs> late payments, right? Late fees. Yeah. And you can look it up. You know, there's a lot of corporations that have made billions of dollars on late fees especially during the pandemic when, when money was a different situation how people were getting paid. You know, when they sell a life insurance, uh, a whole life insurance policy, it's similar to, you know, you're in a general account that averages between 1% to 3%, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then you're buying insurance. It's a whole life policy. The reason they call it whole life is because they want you to have it for your whole life. Yeah. Right? If you look at a universal life insurance, index universal life, variable universal life insurance policies, the way those policies work is you're, you, let's say you pay $100 a month, your cost of insurance might be $20 a month, the difference goes into your cash value. Yeah. But as that years go by, the cost of your insurance goes up over time until it goes over that The that premium, premium is higher. Exactly. Yeah, right. The premium stays the same, but the cost of insurance goes up, and the oh, money okay. out of the cash value pays the premium until the policies expire. There's major companies out there right now that are paying 100, 200, 300 million dollars in lawsuits for uh, for the increasing premiums. People right now are 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s that bought insurance in the 90s thinking that was going to be their investment vehicle. Today, they have no investment, they have no life insurance. They're, it's expired. That's outrageous. And it's very common. You can look it up. It's yes. very common. Those class action lawsuits are very common. Yeah, I know you sent me some articles. And it's, uh, you can't lie, man. This is not, this is not uh, a joke. Mm -mm. It's not nope. a joke. <laughs> nope, not at all. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'm still, I'm gonna still buy those uh, shoes a month though, you know, instead of investing in my life. So, you know, it's Easter own, I guess. You it's, know. you know, it's, 
I'm guess. not. I'm not saying don't buy nice things. No, exactly. Of course not. But then, like, if if you have a family, like, at least protect them. At least get bare minimum some protection and something. And don't just depend on your group life insurance at work. Group life insurance is only one time your annual salary when it pays out. If you pay very little for something, what's the value of that usually? Like, if you go to like a, a mom and pop restaurant, you get a burger and fries, right? It's probably 15 bucks right now. But if you go to, you know, a fast food joint, it's maybe three or four dollars. It's going to be a better burger <laughs> if you pay a little more. Life yeah. insurance is similar. Mm. If you pay nothing for it or very little for it, it's probably not going to have a lot of benefits to it. And it's probably going to have a lot of exclusions. And that's the other thing I see. I see people buy a policy, they die in a car accident, then they find out their life insurance policy doesn't pay out because it doesn't cover self-inflicted injuries or doesn't cover automobile accidents, doesn't cover plane crashes, doesn't cover cancer, doesn't cover you know, heart attack, doesn't cover, you know, the exclusions are inside, can be inside the policies and you can find it in there. So if a company doesn't have to pay out, they're gonna try and figure out a way to do it. You might save two or three dollars but it's better to be in a, pro- a product or a program that's going to pay out on any kind of death. Mm-hmm. It's like, geez, how do you want to die? Well, I really want to die from a cancer death, Alex. You know, I think that'd be a good death for me. Right? <laughs> okay. No, you don't know how you're yeah. going to die. When you yeah. die, you die. Yeah. I have a handful of clients that have, they're in their early 20s. And mm-hmm. they've gotten stage 4 lymphoma cancer, stage 3 lymphoma cancer. They go through that. Once you get, once you get a health issue yeah you can be uninsurable for up to 10 years now if you're uninsurable you can't get insurance which is a problem yeah because when you can finally get qualified if you can qualify it's going to be more it's going to the premium is going to be higher because you're older you're at more risk so the best thing to do is to plan when you're young yeah the best thing to do is have a have a, a real advisor that you work with another thing that I see that's very common in our industry is everybody likes to buy things on the internet. Though yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Are you going to put your financial future in the hands of a robo-advisor, a computer-generated AI program? Are you going to put your hands in the future of buying a life insurance policy online where you don't actually, if you don't deal with anybody to get you a quote, you just put your information into a system? What's the likelihood when you need that to pay out that you're actually going to talk to a live person to get that, that claim? filed nada not gonna happen no it's gonna take a while you're not dealing with a real person gives you some perspective right correct there's no humanity there that's right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well uh this has been a wonderful conversation and um i think you should close it out with your your trials and tribulation. I just, I, I love your story because not a lot of people know what you went through to get to where you are. So share, you know, a couple of your hard moments and then, you know, where you're at now and where you see yourself being. Just so, you know, so we can see the changes next time we talk on, on the episode of Alex B. Curious George podcast. So, you know, I started in the business in 2010. Uh, I came in, I got my insurance license. I didn't get my investment license right away in 2012. I had an opportunity to move to Las Vegas. I was working with a gentleman and he, uh, you know, he had, 
he had done very well. He had opened up seven branch locations in Idaho in four years, about three and a half years. And he moved to Las Vegas and I moved there with him. And when I moved there, I didn't know anybody there when I got there. But I moved there, I started building a network, started farming, uh, meeting people, building friends. And, uh, and over those five years I lived in Las Vegas, you know, things weren't necessarily easy, Alex. Yeah. Uh, within 45 days of moving there, my car was stolen. Yeah. Okay. So now try and build a business with no car in a city where you don't know anybody. And most people at that point would just throw in the towel. Right. Right. But I went out, I got a, I got a job part-time so I could make money, buy a car. So I was able to buy a car. I kept, kept working, kept working. About a year and a half later, I was, I had a, I had then bought another car, moved to a different part of the city in my house, and my car had been actually stolen again. Different car, I had a Honda at that time. It was stolen. Uh, I had got it back, actually. I tracked it down and got it back, which was a miracle. And that car was stolen 45 days later, and then it was gone for six months. So I was building a business. During that time, I was networking with people and building a business. I was still doing the business. No job, no income from a job, from an employer, but I was just making money in business. And you get very creative when you have to be creative, right? When you have to get out of a sticky situation. And uh, I ended up getting that car back, but it was destroyed. I had got, gotten another vehicle, and but I kept working, I kept building, I kept grinding, right? You always hear, it's all about the grind, it's all about the grind. It's about giving up to go up. And I had to really work on my, uh, my tenacity, my skills, character, people skills, grow those things, as I was as I was going through those five years in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, my house had been broken into, my identity had been stolen, a lot of things had happened. Jeez. And as those things happened, it just builds how strong. It's like nobody can say anything to you. Like if you're a, I mean, don't take this wrong, but if you're a weak person, mm. you better like which you know, exists, which happens. Yes. You better get a shield, right? You better go through some hard times so you can build a little callus. Yeah. Right, because the world doesn't have to be as hard as some people let it be hard. Yeah. Right? If you if you really put yourself in a position to really go make things happen. So I moved out of Las Vegas in 2017. I moved back to Idaho. I moved my licenses to Idaho. I got started in the business and uh, I actually ended up having an injury. I had a hip injury, broke my hip. And uh, so again, I had another trial. Yeah. And during that time of being laid up instead of just you know watching TV or letting life go by, I ended up getting my investment licenses during that time. Now, I'd already been in the business for eight years, okay? <laughs> so that's a long time. I'd failed my securities licenses before. I let that get to me in the beginning. Yeah. When I got focused, I, I passed both my licenses in 25 days, so I got them done. And uh, I think if you put your mind to something, you can make it happen, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody that wants to achieve some sort of success. Yes. And came in my first year back in the business 2019 you know made twenty thousand dollars part-time which is about an extra 1500 1800 bucks a month part-time mm-hmm. my second year during COVID, i worked harder than i'd ever worked i doubled my income 100 percent growth i made forty two thousand my second year in 2020 yeah and then my third year in the business, now I'm at 80,000 in income, 82,000 in income, so I doubled my income again. Mm-hmm. And this year I'm on track for 200,000, 250,000. So uh, am I saying it's easy? Heck no, but is it worth it? Heck yeah. Yes. Total freedom to do what I want, when I want, with who I want, building a business, building a book of business, mm-hmm. and having something that I can pass on to future generations. 
something that you can sell. If you're an employee, you can't sell your job. No. You're stuck there. But if you're a business owner, you can sell your business. You can sell what you've built. And, and you know, capitalism, the, the society we live in, it's built that way. Mm-hmm. So I just challenge you to, to really think about where you're at and where you want to be in the next five years. What's your goal? What's your game plan? You know, if you, if you want help with that, you can always, you know, hit me up or mm-hmm. connect with me on, on uh, social media. But we're all in, in this game together. Yeah. And it doesn't matter where you're at. It's about where you're going. It doesn't matter where you came from. It's where you're headed. Yes. We see so many people living in their memories. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> oh, man, back in the day when I was in high school. Oh, man, back in the day when I did this. Back in the day when I did that. Right? Yeah. But you got to, it's not where you're at. You want to be around people. It's like Ed Milet says, right? You got to be in a position of doing one more. Like instead of just running for an hour, run for an hour and one minute. Instead of swimming for an hour, swim for an hour and one minute. Right? You it Put yourself in a position where people are challenging you to be better, to grow, to change, to develop. You're not too busy. You're never too busy. I mean, really, if, if you have a TV, that's tying up a lot of your time, right? <laughs> what, throw away your TV and watch how much time you free up. Take social media off your phone. Watch how much time you free up to be able to, to do something to achieve your goals and dreams. Mm-hmm. So thanks for having me on the call today. Thanks for having me on the cast. Absolutely, man. Now I'm going to tie this all together. and ch- Now I'm going to... End it with my little perspective because obviously you guys literally you come into my mind a lot, okay, on a day to day basis because I work at my dad's restaurant every single day, and I see, and I feel, and I'm smelling, and all this right, all my senses are intact, so I'm very sensitive to my environment, and I can tell the amount of work that it goes into running a small business like a restaurant, okay, and it's not easy work. It's not easy work at all. You don't have a lot of leisure time, especially if you are if, if you're running it yourself. You don't have anybody running it for you. Right? So this is this is amongst the hardest times my dad has ever me and my dad for sure. My dad definitely has ever worked at the restaurant and he admits this. There's a little vulnerability right here for the for the masses. So he admits that this is since 2020, nothing like this has ever happened before. Okay? So it's, it, it's a shift in perspective because like wh- what kind of life do you want? What I, en- what I envy, I do envy, but I also, um, I know that I can have it too, is that I speak to you on a weekly basis and I know that you, you know, Brian, have that, um, have that freedom, but you work for it, you earn it. Mm-hmm. That's right. The freedom that you have is earned. Mm-hmm. It's not just given. That's okay. right. You don't just expect it. Okay. You've you you've worked your your ass off for that. And even though my dad is still working his ass off, he has no freedom. That's right. No freedom. And he doesn't have protection. Not real one. Mm-hmm. Like not a true one. No residual income. No residual income. Not and um like and when twenty twenty came around, he wasn't prepared for that. That's right. So this is happening to people. Just just think about it, you know? Think about it for a second. Alex, if you look at, there's four ways to make an income in America. 
right? Robert yeah. Kiyosaki. Yes. You could be an employee One. where you trade your time for money. Uh-huh. You get a paycheck on the 1st and the 15th. Yep. You get two weeks off the, for the year. Yeah. Right? You can be self-employed. Yes. Barbers, hairstylists, real estate, salespeople, restaurant, restaurant owners, owners yeah. doctors, dentists. Mm-hmm. They're all self-employed. They own their job. Yep. There's no way for them to leverage. Yeah. Right? Then you have business owners, people that own a franchise, people that own a firm. You might have a doctor, but he works in a he has a practice of doctors he works with. Mm-hmm. You might have an attorney, but they have a firm mm-hmm. of of uh, attorneys that work with them. You mm-hmm. might have a McDonald's franchise, you might have a Burger King franchise. It, it operates without you being there. And then you have investors, right? And those people have money making them money. Yes. It's moving from the right side, the left side of the con, uh, uh, of the, of the basically the employee self-employed. It's moving from that side, from the left side to the right side, which is business owner investor. Most people are stuck. Why do you think most people are stuck on the left side? Go to school, get good grades, get an education, so you can get a good. And they were. I mean, job. It, was, it was basically they were trained to man. They were like, trained. Yeah, from was, a young age. Yeah, the system kind of trains you. Start to, with to a do bell, that. end with a bell. Nights, weekends, and holidays off. It's called school. Nine to five, man. That's right. They yeah. were taught that through the industrial revolution. Yes. And people still live that today. One hundred. But it's the business owners that have a system. Yeah. To put people to work. Keyword system. A system, not yes. just being. There's a difference between being self-employed and having a system. Exactly. And that. I, that's deep. That's deeper than people realize. Your dad has a restaurant, but does he have a system? Not a true one. Not but a McDonald's true one. has a system. Yes. Yes, they do. Did you know Taco Bell is the largest uh, Mexican restaurant in America? Because they've duplicated themselves so many right. times? Yeah. I think there's more Taco Bells than there is McDonald's, apparently. Actually, because they have a system. Right, but yeah. Yeah. It's about the system. It's about putting yourself in the right side of the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on that because that's that means more everything that we do in the financial industry is important, but but putting yourself in a position to own what you do and have a system that pays you regardless if you show up. Our our uh senior national sales director in Riverside, California. Yeah. He has 70 vice presidents, he has 3000 licensed agents. He has a system in How place. How many licensees? 3000. Yeah. He makes three and a half, four million a year right now. Yeah. He has a system. Yes. He's in a system that has a system and everybody's following the same system. Mm-hmm. He's 35. Mm-hmm. He is in a good system. <laughs> yes. Now there's other people out right. there that make money. Yeah. Right. They might have a social media marketing company or they might be doing digital assets or they might be doing, you know, real estate, right? Which... You wake up self-employed or unemployed every single day unless you're selling, right? There's a lot of things that are out there. Mm-hmm. But when you have a system, you have people working. I'd rather get 1% of 100 people than 100% of my own efforts. That's deep. Why? Because it's called leverage. Mm. It's leverage. Why do you think the local university has 25,000 people coming to the university every year? Because they make hundreds of millions of dollars a year on tuitions. Yes, they do. That's why they can pour so much money into football, into basketball teams, into art programs. They are leveraging themselves through a system. 
Yep. Same way with any other franchise opportunity. Not saying you can't do it on your own. Right. It's just a system that's already in place. It's a system. So you're, you can join it or you can make your own. That's right. But do you have the means and do you have the knowledge to make your own? Is that's the question. right. That's the hard part. Yeah. Is, you know, there's a book by Michael Gerber called The E-Myth. E-Myth. And it's basically the entrepreneurial myth. Most people are trained to go to college and become technicians at their job. And when they, hate, when they can't stand their boss, they leave and they go start their own business. They become an electrician or a plumber. Mm-hmm. They don't want to work for somebody else. Yeah. So they become a really good technician in their business. Mm-hmm. But they're always frustrated because they're not doing enough marketing. They're not getting enough jobs. Or maybe this job pays them, but they don't know how to negotiate. And They're in a system and they get frustrated. They get burned out really easily. That's mm-hmm. why having pouring your time and effort into a system that's duplicatable yeah. is the key to business ownership. So that way, if you take some time off, you're not thinking about, geez, oh gosh, I hope the restaurant, like, think about your dad. Can he take really any time off? No. Not real. Not, not real really. time? No. He couldn't take a month off. No, nah, man. No. Not if you wanted to. But our broker in Riverside could take the next year off if he wanted to, and he'd still make millions of dollars. See, now that is exactly why I think about you guys all the time because that freedom, it should be like, it's, you know, like it's, it, it seems almost far from the the side, from mm-hmm. the self-employed, from the, uh, and, mm-hmm. and employed side. It's like, oh man, I wish I had it. Right. Because I'm like, like you know, it's, it's there. You just gotta, yeah. Yeah, it's not too far away. That's it's capitalism. Gotta, uh-huh. Yes. Exactly. Those that yes. those that took the risk in the beginning yeah. are the ones that have the freedom. Those yeah. that don't take the risk end up working for the people that took the risk. Mm-hmm. Now, well, I don't now I don't think everybody is um like I think if you not everybody is an entrepreneur. That's true. So, like you really got to have you got to like you got to like know yourself. That's right. Because now this is a whole different conversation. We can save it for next time. But uh, I just want to end on that. Like, yeah, not everybody is an entrepreneur, man. And you got to know it in your heart that you are one. Otherwise, you will not succeed. Doing what you guys do. Doing right. what I do. You know, doing what we do. So it's, you got to, because you can't buy ambition at the store. No, you, you can't know? buy it. You can't buy that, man. It's, it's, you got to know it that you have it and nothing was, nothing's going to get in your way. Only yourself, but yes. Now think about this. Everybody's competitive in the beginning of life. I mean, you fought all your brothers and sisters to get up to that egg. <laughs> okay. Some of you guys will get that later. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's competitive in the beginning. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. But wouldn't you agree competitiveness is taken away from us when everybody gets a trophy? Everybody gets a medal when they're coming up. Little kids are coming up. Everybody wins the soccer game. We're okay. not taught to be ambitious in when we're brought up in school we're taught to be like everybody else oh it's okay honey everybody wins everybody gets a treat everybody gets a trophy that's what we're taught but it's the ones that become ambitious that still recognize that and when we're young in life before we really get beat up by jobs and relationships before we really get beat up yeah only a handful of people really capture that there's ambition and some people don't find their ambitious think about kentucky fried chicken he didn't start his franchise until he was, what, 65 years old? 
Oh, yeah, he was old, man. Yeah, he was old. But for years and years and years, he was trying to get his chicken out there. He yeah. had the recipe. Yeah. That's most people. Most people give up on their goals and dreams. It's really what is yeah. your goal? What is your dream? What when you, you were a young yes, kid before you got beat up in life, what was your dream? What is, yes. What is your goal? What's your mission? What are you trying to accomplish? Right now, gas is $5 a gallon. The average mortgage is $3,000 a month for an average home. And we live in Idaho, right? So yes. half a million dollars, $600,000 for a home is three grand a month. Mm-hmm. How do you pay $3,000 a month when you make 50 grand a year, your wife makes 25, 30 grand a year, you're making 80 grand a year, you only bring home 5,000, your mortgage is 3,000. Mm. How do you live on 500 bucks a month when gas is five bucks a gallon? The answer to that, make more money. Yeah. That's the only answer. Yeah. Regardless of inflation, mm-hmm. you got to make more money. How? How do I make more money? That's by getting an opportunity, mm-hmm. plugging into a system that has a proven track record. We have a proven track record. Which is very evident, actually, because of my experience with uh, with you guys. And now, and now th- this is... Now, this is coming from me who have, when I've been approached by many, um, you know, opportunities where, you know, network marketing or whatever has come into play, a lot of da da da, a lot of da da this, you know, and uh, this one, it just, you're, the, the financial language, the, liter- the literacy, you know, the, the, the masterful um, approach to knowledge, books, and self-betterment mm-hmm. has only, like, made me more intrigued. You know, especially as Brian being the, the head honcho and the leader. Mm-hmm. So I give lots of credit to him for sure. Um, like, I just... And I'm art, now I'm artistic, and but I'm also scientific at the same time. Right. So I see both sides to the spectrum. Right. And when someone's too one-sided, like they're just too, like... Like I see the way that people speak, you know. Like I, mm-hmm. I see, I see how if someone's too kind of like combative or like competitive, like they have one way of approaching their their personality, mm-hmm. it's fine. But can you change, tone it down a little bit, and have some grace? Change mm-hmm. your tone. Now you're now you're resonating with the more softer spoken people That's instead right. of being so high strung and like high spirited. Try dialing it back a little bit. Show your versatility. Right. Go down on the scale and like. They're softer. The people just because someone speaks a little bit softer doesn't mean that they're any less like competitive or that they want more out of life. That's right. So it's like show me the versatility. So I even saw, like I see the weekly. Um, um, I'm I'm tuning in on the weekly on Sundays, right? Uh huh. Um, yeah, our our, uh, our, our and I, I call motivation call. Yes, and I listen to the team speak. Okay, I can tell that Brian had Brian's well versed. Um, he's very versatile right. speaking with a wide range of kinds of kinds of people you could tell some people are a little bit on they're growing still right and they're still in their own way just mm-hmm. they're stuck in their own way that's okay that's it works if it works for them you've actually and obviously i've seen you um grow in your in your speaking and you've worked so hard to to get way better there <laughs> There was a it's time. A fact, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fact. <laughs> like when I came to this business, I was so blunt. I was like, "Look, you're screwed. Like, just come join me." Yeah. Right? That's not me now. Yes. Now I have perspective on how to relate and do that. But even in three years, even in a year, where yeah. was I at a year ago? Where am I at today? And where am I going to be a year from now? Mm-hmm. And that just comes from self improvement, reading books, listening to audios, right, podcasts. Mm-hmm. Okay, but be careful who you listen to, because not every podcaster 
necessarily yes. is going to give you the best advice because maybe they are seeking advice while they're talking about what they're learning. Yeah. They're not saying don't learn, but be be aware of what you're listening to because it, it'll affect you. 100%. Be careful what you feed your brain. Exactly. Be careful what you feed your brain. And um, I, on average, I only listen... It's only you and Brian that are mainly talking on the Sunday thing anyway. Mm -hmm. Because you guys are the most versatile at this point. Right. Right now, you guys have done the most work um, out of the whole group that I at least, I at least tune into right. for a reason. Mm -hmm. Now, who's next? I don't know. We're going to see. But we'll obviously, see. everyone's on their own journey. That's right. Yeah. But I, I, do, I do know. I do know, like, who is more versatile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at this at this uh, at this rate, so it's just very interesting to see. That's why I keep tuning in. But don't you know? It's good that you tune in and that yes. you see that because that skill will help you so much further in the future. Yes. But just because someone's not versatile now doesn't mean they won't have no. that skill set. It's interesting. Exactly. Even myself, I look at where I was at three years ago and where I'm at now. Yes. And it's and it's through growth, right? It's through. It's an everyday challenge. It's like, mm -hmm. don't just say it. Like, don't just talk about something because it's what's on your heart. Mm -hmm. Have an open heart to listen before you talk, right? We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Well, exactly. Listen more than you speak. And it's because that room for the future is always is, is more for change. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but this, is a, this was a great conversation. And I can't wait for the uh, the next one. Um, thanks for hopping on, man. Definitely. Yes. So, uh, everybody, if you need some uh, financial planning or um, some advice, you know, you're more than welcome to contact Adam, Mr. Adam Ducek. Adam, you are on Instagram and, yes. and all that good stuff, right? Yes. So, he's helped me. We still talk on a day-to-day, -day, weekly basis. So, yeah, you guys, just, I, I think one last quote is that I remember, um, this actually pertains to everything that we were saying, is, like, don't wish, what was that quote? Who, he was from Idaho. Don't Jim wish, Rohn. Yeah, Jim Rohn. Don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's so deep. subtle, right? No. But all right, you guys. Till uh, till next time. I'm out of here. Any last words? No, sounds good, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate being on. All right, take care.